either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. That is a quote by Benjamin Franklin. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 49. The topic this week is, how fast are you? My guest this week is Howard Berg. For the past 30 years, Howard has been teaching people how to increase their reading speed along with comprehension, but more importantly, how to develop a total learning solution in their life. He helps professionals, associations, companies, colleges, universities, and students and people of all walks of life and ages to maximize their ability to learn faster, comprehend better, and retain more in their information-rich world. Howard is a knowledge mastery strategist and a Guinness Book of World Records World Fastest Reader. Hi, Howard. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, I am very interested in you. Um, reading your bio, I have never met anyone like you. So um, just start off and tell the listeners about yourself. I'm the world's fastest reader. I was in the Guinness Book in 1990, and I know it's been a long time, and no one's ever replaced my reading claim. I've been uh, teaching people around the world how to read and learn faster, to use information in their knowledge-rich environment. I recently trained the Royal Thai Army in Bangkok, and I recently trained the U.S. Special Forces at Fort Bragg. That was very exciting. And uh, I've been all over the world doing this, and my goal is to share what I've learned that's helped me so more people can make more good decisions and have a more successful life because everything today revolves around what you know. True. Now, see, I have a couple of questions for you. Actually, I have a lot of questions. Perfect. But to start off, um, how did you get into being a fast reader and then progress into being the world's fastest reader? That's a great question. And I'm glad you asked it. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, in a very bad part of Brooklyn. I grew up in the East New York projects. By the way, right now, it's the most violent project in the city of New York. So it gives you an idea how bad it was. Lots of gangs, very violent. I was mugged. With, I'd been beat with bats. I had knives to my throat and just went, went on with my day. It was a normal day for me. Uh, I found one safe place, the library. Gang kids treat libraries like vampires treat churches. They don't go there. <laughs> I read a lot. By the time I was 11, I had college reading. I went to college at 17 to major in biology at the state University of New York, Binghamton. When my junior year, my second half, I got interested in the brain and how it works. So I said to the dean, I, I want to do two majors, 
psych and bio. And he says, you can't, you're a junior. You haven't had any courses in psych. You have one year left. You'd have to do a four-year program in one year. And I did it. I, he said I wasn't smart enough, but I did it. And I realized they don't teach learning in school or work. They tell you what to learn, why to learn, what will happen when you don't learn, but not why you hear a song once on the radio. You remember it your whole life, and then you read a book like The Habits of Highly Effective People, and the next day you don't know any habits. So I learned how to learn. I got up to 80 pages a minute, and I took the graduate record exam in biology. In three nights, I read 48 books like biochemistry, genetics, cell physiology. I got three questions wrong. I was in the 99th percentile. And then I wondered, was it me or was it the system? So I started a school. We had kids 11 to 15 take a 30-chapter book in lifelong developmental psych, which is a sophomore course in college. Remember, they were 11 to 15. They did it in one week. 15 out of 18 passed the CLEP for full credit, and now I knew I was on to something. It wasn't that I could just do it, but I could teach it, and that was much more significant. Me doing it, it's a sideshow. You doing it can change the world, and that was very gratifying. So I get booked because I'm the fastest reader, but it was never about me. I use that to get bookings, but I'm more interested in helping other people reach their full potential. I think that's much more. Uh, I was a yogi when I was younger. When I got out of college, I was interested in consciousness. And I, was, I didn't live in an ashram, but I went many weekends. I spent many weekends in an ashram. And I think it rubbed off on me that, that you have a responsibility to, to do something good for the world and to uh, use whatever you have to make that happen. And that's the way I've lived my life. Wow. I'm glad you said that because we're all put here for a purpose and our purpose is not for ourselves, it's to help others. Yes. So I firmly believe that. But here's my other question to you. So you're, you read fast, you, you could teach it to others. My thing is, so me personally, and I don't know if it's because I, I'm just getting older and I have so much going on in my head. Sometimes I got to read things a couple of times to actually comprehend what I'm reading. And so with reading fast, um, can you actually get the um, the content that's being put out? Because I know when I was in school a long time ago, that was one of the things they were like, you know, speed reading, speed reading. And my thing is, okay, yeah, I can speed read, but my thing is, do I comprehend what I'm reading? How do you get past just the, the reading fast, actually reading and comprehending what you're reading? Good question. Very few people ask that, but it's a great question. Speed reading doesn't work. Not the way it used to be taught. In fact, the guy who owned Evelyn Woods in its heyday paid me to train his son how to speed read because I fixed the problem, and I'll tell you what I did. Speed reading is great for finding things quickly but not learning and remembering them. In fact, I was on with Dick Cavett about 26 years ago when MSNBC first launched, and he told me he interviewed Woody Allen, and Woody had read War and Peace in Five minutes and said all he remembered was about the Russian Revolution. That was speed reading. You, you got you knew what the book was about, but you certainly didn't learn biochemistry or genetics in five <laughs> minutes. So what I've done is I use reading to find what I need to know, and I have a system for figuring that out. Now that I found it, if I don't understand it, I use brain-based learning strategies for making it make sense. Then I use memory strategies for locking the information that matters into my permanent memory. And 
Another thing that I find very useful is I use emotional intelligence skills to be in the right state. So when I need to use the information, I can use it. Uh, a good example would be people get nervous taking tests and they can't remember what they studied until the test is over and it's too late. That's an emotional intelligence issue. So by teaching people what to look for, how to know when they found it, find it two, three, four times faster, how to analyze it when it's not making sense, like say a calculus book, how to make sense of it. Now that you know what it means, if you need to know it, how to remember it, and then how to stay focused in the right state of mind when you need to use it, now you've got something. And I hope during the interview, we get to share some of the ways this could be done. And actually, I was just going to ask you that and, and roll into that. So why don't you share with us how you actually do that? Perfect. I'll start off with how you read fast. When this interview is over, I'd like everyone listening, grab a book, preferably nonfiction, because fiction is designed to, to be surprising. You don't know the ending. Nonfiction, history books don't, don't try to surprise you. They're very logical and sequential. Science books, the same thing. Nonfiction is about information. So read for a minute with a timer. The way you normally do, nothing different. And when the timer goes off, take a pencil, mark off where you finished in the first chapter. So now you have a measurement. That's how far you read now. Now I'll give you the special secret, the first secret on how to read faster. And then I'll talk about comprehension and retention and all the other things. What I'd like you to do next, go to the second chapter. Use your hand. And move your eye one line at a time across, following your hand. And here's the secret, as fast as you could comprehend. As long as you know what you're reading, go quicker till you don't. They actually say, that's where it got too fast. Slow down just enough that your comprehension comes back. And at that super fast speed, the top speed you could comprehend, move your hand for five minutes. Now go back to the first chapter where you started. And read for one minute with your hand the way you just did. And you'll be amazed. You're going to go 20, 30, 40% further just doing that one single change. And if you'd like, I could discuss next the thing you decide. How do you understand better? Would you, would you like me to do that? Before you do that, I just have a question. Sure. What's the difference between how, how I read the first time versus how I'm reading the second time with oh, my hand. I like you. You're smart. Good <laughs> questions. Okay. Many people, when they read, their eyes will dwaddle. You see something interesting. Oh, that was great. And you read it again and again and again, and it slows you down. Well, they, they, they get distracted and they stop reading. They're thinking about laundry or something else. And by using your hand, you're focusing your eyes. The hand has no emotion. The eyes are connected to the brain. They're, they're much more hardwired into the emotional parts of our brain. By moving your hand across one line at a time, it keeps you focused. It keeps you from going back over things you just read repeatedly. It helps to eliminate visual regression where people read like the, the dog, the dog sang, the dog sang a song. They, they read every word over and over again. The hand prevents that. So it helps to create focus. It helps to create um, more efficient use of the eyes. The eyes become used more like a camera and, and less like an ear. And that's why you use your hand. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Okay, so now go ahead and go into the, the other part. Much more important, and you were 
quick to point that out as comprehension. I don't believe anyone wants to read faster. I think people want to learn faster. I don't even like to read. I like to learn. I'll give you a quick story and then I'll tell you how to do it. Uh, about 15 years ago, my wife wanted to go to Hawaii. And I, I lectured on cruise ships. And they didn't want speed reading. They had a cruise, but they didn't want speed reading. So what do they want? They said, well, we want Photoshop, video, and photography. Do you teach that? I said, sure. They said, are you sure? I said, absolutely. Of course, I didn't know any of it. But I learned fast, and I know how fast I learned. So the next day, I bought 10 books on Photoshop. I didn't know it takes four years in college. I didn't know anything. I didn't even have Photoshop. I had to buy it. And three hours, I read 10 books. I learned Photoshop. You read 10 books, you're going to learn something. One book, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. 10 people doing what you need to do, that's a business plan. Next day, I read 10 books on photography in three hours. And the next day, I read 10 books on video. And I went to the cruise and I was like, please, let them be 90 years old and not know what a digital camera is. <laughs> the first guy walks in. He's a professional photographer, 38 years. Wants me to do uh, him photography. Second guy comes in. He's doing Photoshop five years. He wants you to teach him Photoshop. My wife's in the front and she's crying because they said if I didn't do it, they'd throw us off the boat. Not in the water. When we got to the shore, and they actually threw someone off. We saw a chef that got thrown off the boat. So I did this for a week. I was teaching Photoshop, photography, and video. At the end of the week, these people came over to me, and they said, how many years did it take to learn that? I couldn't say I learned it last week in three hours. <laughs> That's what I love. So let me show you how to comprehend. The secret to comprehension is in one word. It's called schema. Schema is what your brain uses to make text make sense. And I'll show you precisely how it works. I'll give you text with no schema. And watch how confusing it is. Then I'll give you a title that has schema. And instantly, the exact same text will be effortlessly comprehended. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home. But you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. Would you bet your life right now you know what I'm talking about? No. No, nobody would. I would hope not. Now I'm going <laughs> to read it again. <clears throat> this time I'm going to put on one word, a title, and watch how instantly it makes total sense. Laundry. Laundry. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home. But you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. How confusing is it now? Oh, that's crystal clear now. So what I'm teaching people to do is to use schematic clues. I tell them where it is, how to find it. They're reading two, three, four times faster. They find the information that makes it make sense, like a decoder ring, and it actually improves their comprehension. And that's how I was able to read 48 books like biochemistry, and one of the things I did, I did a, four, I did a um, graduate course in educational psychology. It was a four-credit course in seven hours. I read the book four times. Now, it took seven hours, not five minutes, seven hours. But it's a five-month course. And I took the six-hour advanced placement test in 15 minutes. I got a B plus. So in seven hours and 15 minutes, I got four graduate credits with a B plus. <laughs> That's what I'm interested in. It, I, it wasn't a magic trick. I didn't read it once. I didn't learn it in five minutes. But if you can do a five-month program in seven hours at, at a 
B-plus level. Imagine if everyone did that every day, what their lives would be like, how much more they'd be able to accomplish. That's, that's what it's about to me. It's the information. You, you can read fiction. I do teach it. But personally, I prefer reading something that will give me a skill, something that will help make my life more productive and more successful. When I want to relax with fiction, I watch a movie. I enjoy the movie. Like I, I read The Lord of the Rings. I loved it, but the movie was better. I enjoyed the movie. It was much more engrossing. So I, I prefer reading nonfiction to learn skills, and I watch a movie to get, get relaxed. Okay, so going back to the schema. Get. <laughs> so what you teach, is it just because you added the word laundry in there? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you teaching people to look for like the, the main noun and then yes. kind of skim from there? Yes, yes. Nouns, okay. verbs, people, places, things, their actions, all those things are very significant. And by training them how to do this properly while using their hands, things start making a lot more sense. And if you think about it, when you read, you don't remember every word. I mean, if you read, here, imagine I'm reading this Pavlov, Russian psychologist, revolutionized learning, used a hungry dog, 1902. Who, Pavlov, where, Russia, when, 1902, why, revolutionized learning, how, used a hungry dog. You don't remember all the pronouns and adverbs and adjectives you remember who did it, where they did it, when they did it. And, and we don't actually memorize the words on a sentence. We memorize the data, which is the who, what, where, when, why, and how. So I'm basically showing them how to filter what's relevant from the noise that's in the book. And if you'd like, I, I could actually show you there's only five things you need to learn to master any subject. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Let me, let me know. A lot of times people say to me, you know, the books, they get these books, they're huge. It's like, I can't learn all this. It's too much information. You're right. You don't need to learn all of it. Here's what you need to learn. Five things, just five things. Vocabulary. About 80, 85% of a new subject is the words, the terms. So look for words that are bolded, italic, underlined, in strange fonts or in a glossary. They don't look like the other words. The writer made them look different because... They were special. You needed to learn them. Second, names. Who's in your book? What did they do? Those are the second things you learn. Third thing, any number, date, statistic, or formula. How do you use the formula, and what's the significance of any number, date, or statistic? The fourth thing, in every nonfiction book, there tends to be headings and subheadings, subdivisions. And each division, What are the five big takeaways, the five main ideas? And the last thing you look for are any questions and answers, any questions and answers. So if you know every word and what it means, every person, what they did, the significance of every number, date, and statistic and formula, the five big takeaways in every section, and the questions and answers, that's it. We did that with those kids, those 11 to 15-year-olds. They did it in one week, and they passed the CLEP, which is an advanced placement test. 15 out of 18 got college credit in one week. And this works for any subject, anything you want to learn. Now your brain knows what to look for. It has a target. It isn't sitting there saying there's too much here. I don't know what's important. 
I just told you what's important. Words, names, numbers, main idea, questions and answers. If you get that, you're going to be on solid ground for mastering the subject. That makes great sense. Thank you. Uh, by the way, if people want more information, then go to berglearning.com, berglearning.com. <clears throat> we have programs that will help them to learn faster and use information better. And I made a special uh, coupon, Trina Talk 10. You'll get 10% off when you put that in. Make sure you put in the coupon. Let's do some more skills people can use. Yes, exactly. So when you in, in when you coach people and you teach now, is there a certain age group that you're working with? Yes. Um, my, if you're working with reading, we tend to work 11 and up. And there's a reason. I took some graduate courses in reading, teaching reading. The first three years of school are how to read. The fourth grade is the first grade where you read to learn, which is why so many young people start falling behind in the fourth grade. If they can't read, they can't do anything at that point. You can't learn history, mm -hmm. can't learn. So everything is impossible. So by sixth grade, you've had two years experience reading and your vocabulary has grown. Until then, English is a foreign language. Even for people who read English, they don't know the words yet. So we find 11 and up is ideal, but we have had children as young as third grade do it, but they were exceptional. They had eighth grade reading in the third grade. They were more mature. What I do with younger children, children younger than third grade, is memory. I started mm -hmm. teaching that to my grandkids when they were three, because if you teach them how to learn before they have to learn anything like the letters or the sounds of the words, They'll learn how to remember it. We, we mm -hmm. teach children how to read, and then they don't remember what we taught them, and they still can't read. It, it makes no sense to me why we have school where we don't teach learning and then teach content. My school right. taught how to learn, then we taught what to learn, and they learned it because they knew how to learn. makes more sense, but it's not done. Wow. Okay, so I have a question for you. Yes. We're both located in Texas, and I've been here probably about eight years now. Okay. I have two teenagers, but when, of course, when I moved here, my kids were a lot younger, and I real I learned about this, um, what is it called, core, core competency, core whatever learning that they do yes, that I have yes. never heard of before, that I totally just, it just gets under my skin because... I think whoever designed it, I think it was a cop out. And that's the reason why kids are not progressing like they should in education. So my son had issues with reading where I went on and I enrolled him into Sylvan after I got frustrated and he got frustrated because I was trying to teach him and he wasn't learning. So when you and I were going to school, we were, we learned by phonics. Yes. Today they're teaching sight words. Yes. What's your Whole opinion word on that? learning. It's terrible. Exactly. It's terrible. <laughs> you actually need both. Now, the argument for whole words is there are words that don't sound like the way they look, and they're correct. But if you think about it, writing was invented to, com to symbolize with letters the sounds of words. So language is, is, is mostly phonetic. So yes, I think they should teach phonetics 
And then they mm-hmm. should teach whole words on the words that can't be learned phonetically. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Now you told me I have two teenage sons. When I'm done with this, I'll set you up as a gift for having me on the show with my reading program. And please share it with your sons. It'll double their reading speed and comprehension in about a few hours time. And that'll be my gift wow. for th- to thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you for that. I like, I like helping people. It's a very important part of what, what I feel that's what I'm here for. I'm supposed to do this and, and it makes me feel good to do it. I mean, exactly. And I, I think we all have a gift and honestly, yes. you should be in the teaching realm because when I heard of the, the sight word thing, I was going, what kind of shenanigans is this? I'm yep, like, sight yep, words? Yep. What is this? Well, let me share with you. I, I mentioned I grew up in New York. I taught in Bedford-Stuyvesant in Crown Heights when I got out of college for 10 years. High school I taught in was Wingate. Two percent graduated. Two percent. My job interview was teachers get killed here. Do you want the job? And <laughs> teachers, four teachers went out on stretchers in 10 years. One was in a coma. They beat him unconscious. These kids couldn't read. They couldn't write. They couldn't count. So I said to the principal, let me teach them how to learn. They'll have more success. They can't read. They can't write. They can't count. They can't learn anything. And he said, no, it's not in the curriculum. I said, fine, it's his school. I can't tell him what to do. So I'm teaching biology. And one of my youngsters come up to me, comes up to me and says, I can't do the homework. I don't know how to find the answers. So let me show you. Every question in your book, there's an answer in the chapter. Let me show you how to do it. So the principal comes in. He says, what are you doing? So I'm showing him how to find the answers to the homework questions. In the subject I'm teaching, biology, he says, we don't pay you to do that. You're not working. And he wrote down, he came in my room, and I wasn't doing my job because I was helping kids learn, and it wasn't my job. I was there to teach the curriculum in biology, and I quit. After that. Wow. I wasn't going to stay in a job where I was making kids dumb and unsuccessful. It was heartbreaking to me that these kids were being treated that way. And yes, it was my job. It was the subject that he was in. It was my subject that I was mm-hmm. teaching that he asked a question to help him with how to do homework. How is that not my job? Exactly. It's almost like they're wanting the children to fail. They don't care about learning. I have to be, I don't, I can't say that about every school. That would be unfair. But the schools I was in, it was about attendance. You got paid for how many kids sat in the chair. So if someone showed up 50 minutes late, but they showed up, you put them on attendance sheets, they got paid. That's all that mattered. The, the, The learning was very inconsequential to them. And I saw that and I didn't want to believe it, but that is literally what I experienced for 10 years. And I was in three different schools and it was no different in, in inner city schools or more, more, a more upscale kind of a school. It was always the same thing. It was about the attendance and not the learning. And I didn't want to be part of that. I, I wanted to help children. That's why I took the job. Not, not, not be responsible for them being promoted before they could do the work they were supposed to. Yeah, I had kids, they couldn't multiply by 10. I tested them. They were Mm. 19 years old. I'm teaching them general science, which is physics. How do you learn physics if you can't multiply by 10? They literally couldn't do one times 10, two times 10. I gave them, that was the test. One times 10, two times 10, three times 10. Not one kid could do it. 
Not one kid in an entire classroom of 19-year-olds in ninth grade could multiply by 10. And they wouldn't let wow. me teach these kids how to learn. It was a sin. It was, it, I don't want to get off on a rant, but it was very, very <laughs> upsetting to me. No, I'm right there with you. Like I said, when I found out this core competency or whatever that they're teaching in school, I, I was just, right. I, I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. And you're right. And I've heard, I've spoken to other people who were teachers or teachers back in the day, and they said the same thing as you is that they, they left the school systems because they wanted to actually teach the children how to learn. Yep. And the schools were not concerned with that anymore. Everything is teaching to a test. Yes. And like you said, how many students are there? Well, okay, if we can teach to this statewide test and get X number of students to do well, that's that's their goal. That is their goal. You complete that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I have my programs on, on my Berg Learning site. I'm trying to help people and help their kids. It's kind of a double win. They use it at work because they have to stay on top of information to do their jobs and then the kids use it at school to graduate and there's no reason why our kids aren't doing better in school i mean four hours time i've got kids reading 100 percent faster and they can't do that it's i'm actually training a group of teachers in in august in oklahoma on how to do this because they i was at a i'm a rotary president i was a rotary president i just recently became the secretary but i was the president and I was speaking at a Rotary Club, and one of the people was the principal for that city. And I'm going back in a couple of weeks to train the kids, teachers, on how to do this to help them do better. So that's what I wanted to do in the first place, but they wouldn't let me. Wow. Now, do you speak to and train corporations, or are you just basically only Oh, absolutely. I was the keynote at Prudential Realty at their annual conference. I trained Rockwell International to rockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was straight. I couldn't even have my my my, um, my tape recorder or anything. It was like right. security. <laughs> they like basically it was like going through an airport security, but on steroids. Uh, <laughs> I, I worked with uh, J.C. Penney, uh, Sears, and uh, I've done a lot of other companies as well. And I enjoy that because people today tell me they can't keep up with all the information, the laws, the rules, mm-hmm. the, the news, the new skills, the changes in technology, the business skills. And they can do that. The time you spend learning and business, you don't get paid for. But right. if you could cut that time in half and understand it better, now you have more time. And then what do you do with the time? What well, depends. Maybe more time with your family. Or maybe you want to spend more time with clients, but you have that time, which right now, you know, I know in a lot of fields like medicine and uh, accounting, you have to go every year and take courses to keep your mm-hmm. license active. Well, that's a lot of time. And if you could cut that time in half and still get the information, that's what I mm-hmm. do. So absolutely. And I actually help seniors stay mentally fit. I had an 84-year-old, Ruth Lubin. She was Miss Senior California, and the day after I taught her, she called up and said she read three books in three hours. And she was 84. So I often hear people say, well, I'm 40 or I'm 50. Or I'm too old to learn it. She was 84. She read three books in three hours. It's not an age thing. It's about don't whine and complain about what you can't do. 
do something about it. I, I get very upset when people just complain about what's going on in their life. If you want to make more money, you don't work more hours. You don't right. work more jobs. You learn skills that pay better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you upgrade your skill set. So you work less hours and make more money. I mean, that's, exactly. that's how rich people succeed. They don't work more hours. They work less hours, but they make more money when they work because the skills they have are, are more valuable. A, a dishwasher doesn't make as much money as a surgeon, but in many days, a dishwasher's job is physically more demanding. Mm-hmm. But they don't pay that well because that information is very easy. Put some soap mm-hmm. in the water. It works hard, but a surgeon takes 10 years to learn, maybe 15 in some fields. You get paid very well when you learn that information. <laughs> oh, man, you're so true. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned about the senior because that was going to be my next question oh. to you is teaching seniors. And with Alzheimer's, um, if they could read, like you're saying, and comprehending, I could I can foresee a decline in Alzheimer's because they're doing things to keep their brain active. There's actually a study. I read this in 90 seconds, 20 years ago. It was the Baltimore and Seattle longitudinal studies on aging. As I said, I read it in 90 seconds. And they said that they tested people in their 80s, octogenarians. People who were reading had a much lower onset of dementia and Alzheimer's than non-readers. And they found that even if they haven't read all their lives, just starting to read helped to p- create a mental improvement. They believed that the healthy parts of the brain, when stimulated with new information, help those parts to function longer and give them better cognitive abilities. So the single most important skill they found for doing that was reading. Another skill they recommended was playing cards, like go- cards like... Um, uh, what's well, you have to memorize different mm-hmm. cards and, and know all the suits, and that was also helpful. But they said reading actually was the single best thing. Wow, yeah, I can I can see that, and I wish I had of you know met you years ago because I spent twenty years in the IT industry. I was a programmer, but I had you know a lot of books to read and certifications to get and things like that, and and everything is so rapidly changing yes. that that I don't have time to sit down and read every new programming language book. But I want to get in and find out what I need to know and use that, but without spending time flipping through page by page by page. Exactly, and that's exactly what I do. It's, a, it's exactly what I do. I teach people. First of all, you don't need to know everything. Mm-hmm. I tell students, what do you need to know? And they go, oh, I need to know this. I say, no, you only need to know one thing in school. The answers to the test questions. You know every <laughs> answer to every question, you get an A. What happens if you know everything except the questions on the test? You don't get an A. So I said, <laughs> first thing you need to do as a student is learn the test questions. In business, what do you need to know? You need to know what the clients are expecting you to know. You need to know what you need to be able to do to make your job work better. Too many people spend so much time learning things no one will ever need or use, and the things they actually did need and would use, they didn't learn because they didn't have enough time or they spent too much time learning the wrong things. So first thing I teach people is how to analyze and and make sense out of what they're reading 
so that you don't waste time learning garbage that will never matter. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is, I'm laughing because it's so true. It, it you know, it, it is, it's, it's just, it's a skill set that I think everyone needs in their life. Think, oh, if you want more skills, go to berglearning.com. I want to remind people berglearning.com and use the coupon Trina talk 10 and you'll get 10% off on the programs. By the way, not only do we give you a money back guarantee, if you need help, I will help you. I'm, I, I'm a Rotarian. One of the things we say in Rotary is that the truth is it's fair to all concerned. If it doesn't work, don't pay me. I, I feel I'm entitled to get paid if I actually accomplished what I promised. And mm -hmm. if I haven't, then you shouldn't be paying me for something I didn't do. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm big on delivering. And I, and I usually I'll go on Skype if someone has a question and I'd say 99% of the time, I can find out what they're doing wrong. They're not doing something I told them. And I have to see what it is. And once I see what it is, I can fix it. It's really easy. I wanted the solution to be easier than the problem, or else it's just a new problem. Mm. Oh, wow. Would you like to learn okay. how to memorize? Yeah, you know what? Go ahead. Okay, because a lot of times people will say to me, you read a lot. What do you remember? A lot. And I'll show you, I'll show you a way. I'm going to give you a list to memorize. I won't tell you how the first time, but it, after you don't learn it, I'll show you how to learn it. And in three minutes, you'll know it backwards and forwards. And it's not just a technique. It's a tool. And I'll show you how to use it when we're done. Are you ready? Now, can I write the list no, down? No, or you don't need listen? to. That's the whole point. <laughs> I'm gonna, okay. You're going to be smart. You're going to be able to do this with your brain. It's really, I've done this with three-year-olds, so I know you can do it. Okay, I think I'm smarter than a three-year-old. I know okay, you are. Go. I can tell from they don't speak as eloquently as you. <laughs> well, thank you. Hopefully, I don't disappoint you after yeah, this. Well, no, usually, I mean, I haven't. I mean, I'm sure there might be a few, but not many. Let's put it that uh, way. How are you? You put the pressure on me. Okay, okay on. here's the ten things. And remember, I don't expect you to learn it this first time. You want to remember: pole, shoes, tricycle, car, glove, gun, dice, skate, cat. And bowling pins. Is it safe to say you don't remember everything I just said backwards and forwards? And that is correct. Great. Now, here's one of the things I want people to know. Studies have shown you only remember 10% of what you read, but 90% of what you say and do. So what do the say and do? I want you to say and do what I tell you. Okay. The Greeks discovered thousands of years ago a shortcut for learning. They said, if you take a list you know and link it to the list you're learning, it takes less time. I'm going to bet you can count to 10, and everyone listening can count to 10. And we're going to use those numbers from 1 to 10 to learn 10 things super fast. You ready? Okay. A 1 looks like a pole, a big, tall 1, like a flagpole. Mm -hmm. When I say 1, you say pole. Ready? 1. Pole. Perfect. 2. How many shoes do you wear? 2. What's 2. Shoes. What's one? Pole. Getting smarter. Three. Tricycle. How many wheels on a tricycle? Three. What's three? Tricycle. Two. Shoes. One. Pole. Perfect. Four is a car. Four tires on a car. Four. Car. Two. Shoes. One. Pole. Three. Tricycle. We're jumping. It doesn't matter. Five is a glove. How many fingers are in a glove? Five. So five is glove. Three is tricycle. One is 
pole. Getting smarter. Six gun. They love them in Texas. I'm not a big gun person, <laughs> but they do love them in Texas. What's six? Gun. Four. Wait, I do four. Four. Think about it. Four tires. Oh, car. Right? That's okay. That happens a lot. You'll, you'll get it as we go along. Two. Shoes. Perfect. Seven's lucky in dice, right? So right. seven is dice. What's seven? Dice. Five. Fing- Five. Fingers. Fing- oh, glove. Three. Tricycle. One. Pole. Perfect. Rhymes work. Say eight skate. Eight skate. What's eight? Skate. Six. What do they love in Texas? Guns. Four. Uh, car. Two. Shoes. You're almost done. Nine. How many lives does a cat have? <laughs> nine. What's nine? Cat. Seven is lucky in? Dice. Five. Five is... Uh, Picture your hand. Oh, glove. Three. Tricycle. One. Pole. Last one. Ten bowling pins in a lane, right? Mm-hmm. Ten bowling pins. What's ten? Pins. One. Pole. Two. Shoes. Three. Tricycle. Four. Car. Five. Glove. Six. Gun. Seven's lucky in. Dice. Eight rhymes with. Skate. Nine is a. Cat. And ten. Uh. Ten. Game of bowling. Uh, bowling. bowling. Okay. Bowling. Here's yes. how to use it. Here's how to use it. One of the hardest things to learn are numbers. They don't have any meaning. Like you're learning pi is 3.14 to do a circle circumference or its area. No one remembers it. We're going to turn the numbers into pictures. What picture is three? Uh, tricycle. What picture is one? Pole. What picture is four? Car. Tricycle hits a pole on a car. Picture that. A tricycle hmm. hits a pole on a car. Tricycle, what number? Three. It's a pole. One. On a car. Four. You just learned the value of pi. That could be a hotel room. You ever forget what room you're in because you're traveling. You could be you can make numbers into pictures. And the zero is the 10 bowling pins. The kids use this in school for science and math. And for history, and adults use it for percentages, due dates, room numbers, telephone number. You can use it um, to to learn any number you might need in business. So you turn the number into a picture. You string the pictures together in a movie. You play back the movie. You remember the number. Hmm. And memory okay. is very easy. You, yeah, I like that. Thank you. I like that. I'm I'm going to actually use that because a lot of times, like you say, yeah, I'll, I'll travel and go, what, what room am I, right. <laughs> am I in? And then I got to search for the little card that they gave me well, to find out. Well, 214 is Valentine's Day. Sometimes I'll use like a holiday if it's a special number. Like 214 oh. is fe- February 14th. Wow. Now, yeah, that's, yeah. see, that's brilliant. I like that. That's what I do. Um, I try I try to give people solutions that are easier than the problems they're solving. And as long as the solution is easier, you've, you've given them a tool that, that'll help them get more done. That's exactly what I'm doing. 
Wow. Okay, Howard, we're going to go into our questions. Sure. Because you ahead. Okay. Who or what motivates you? I think what motivates me is I, I'm a grandparent. I see all the parents. The pro- if anyone watches the news, does anyone think there's too many smart people making too many good decisions in this world? I'm not pointing any fingers, but I think everyone could agree that's not our number one problem in the world. And I feel that I've gotten a system that can help solve that. I can't fix all the problems. I'm not, I don't believe that. But I can help the people who do have the ability to solve the problems learn enough extra material and understand it better to solve the problems. I had a kid that he was, uh, he graduated UTA at 16 with a 4.0 economics degree, master's in math at 19 with a 397. He's teaching at Yale in his early 20s. This is a young man who might find a way to, to balance our budget. I can't figure out how to do that, but he might because I taught him how to learn. And I have kids who went to medical school at 19. That I don't know how to cure cancer, but they might because they learned how to learn. And that's what, that's what I see it as. I'm trying to take what I've learned. And like you said, everyone has a special talent or gift. Everyone. They don't necessarily know what it is, but they have it. I'm hoping that mm-hmm. they'll use what I'm teaching them to find that gift and take it to the max so they can make us a better world because they're doing something they were meant to do and they're doing it better. That, that's, that's what it's about to me. Okay. What demotivates you? I couldn't hear you. What demotivates you? I get very discouraged by all the hate I'm seeing right now in our, in our world, in our country, distrust of other people. Um, there's just so much. That I, I, it's almost embarrassing to see what's going on. I've, I've, I, it, it upsets me to see that. I, I think as a biologist, what I learned, most people think survival of the fittest. No, that's not what made us successful. That was the old model. They now know the reason humanity is the most successful organism on the planet was cooperation. One person couldn't take down a mass. 15 or 20 could. We survived because we worked in teams. We worked to help one another. We didn't look at everyone as our enemy. We saw people as potential allies. And we need more of that in this world. There's too much looking at people that don't look like us that are different as our enemy instead of as fellow human beings. We need different. If we were all supposed to look the same, think the same, and believe the same, we would be. We don't for a reason. It's, it's to the betterment of humanity that there's different. And we should embrace that. And it upsets me how much people have moved in the other direction in, in, in this country, in the world, really. Wow. Okay. Does that make sense? It? I mean, you see it. Oh, oh yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, when was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? I was beaten a lot when I was a kid. Not my parents. My parents were very nice to me, but I was different. I mean, I, I had college level abilities when I was like 9, 10, 11 years old. So no, and I lived in a gang infested neighborhood. They didn't understand me. And so um, I retreated from playing because going out to play would be a beating. And it turned out because I went to libraries and read became the best in the world at what I did. I never probably would have developed that ability had I not been mistreated. And I think that's what motivates me because I've experienced tremendous suffering and pain as a child. 
and it was basically like PSTD, like like the uh, post traumatic stress disorder. And I have more empathy now for people when I meet them that are having problems because I know what that feels like. I was lucky. I figured a way out. I learned how to heal myself and to be able to do more. And I think that the the thing that created my greatest problem growing up has become my greatest strength as an adult. Hmm. What is your fear? I'm afraid that the world is in a, in, a, in a situation where it may not recover. I, as a biologist, many biologists are saying we may only have a few generations before we go extinct. Up until the Civil War, there was only a billion people in the world. The first time there was a billion people was in 1865. It's 2020, we have 7 billion. The planet can't sustain this number of people. There's been a drop-off of about 50, 60% of all wildlife. People need to eat. They need a place to live. They need energy. And they keep taking more and more land and resources away from everything else. The planet can't survive with just people. We need bees. We need bugs. We need fish. We need birds. We're killing them off with our toxins, our poisons. And we're doing it because our population is out of control and no one wants to do anything about it. And I'm really concerned that unless something is done to correct this, there may not be much of a future for us as well. We're going through a die-off right now, equivalent to what happened with the dinosaurs after the asteroid strike. This is the greatest die-off of species in all that time. People aren't aware of that's even happening, and it is happening. We're a species. We're not separated from the rest of the living system of the planet. It's dying, and we're causing it. And instead of looking at solutions, we're doing away with the science studies that need to be done to correct it. And I'm very, very concerned that a tipping point is going to be reached where people will finally realize what's happening and it might be too late. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm really concerned, and that scares me. Mm. Is there a time when you wished you had done something that you didn't? Yes. I, I tell you, my first marriage was a storybook marriage. Unfortunately, Stephen King wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> I thought happily married was an oxymoron. You could be happy or married, but at the same time, it was like military intelligence or honest politician. Some words shouldn't be repeated in the same sentence. I actually have a wonderful wife now. She's my best friend, and I'm very lucky because I know what it was like not to have that. So I guess if I had to do it over again, I would have wished I could have met my wife, who I have now, when I was much younger. I often think about how much better my life would have been if I had spent more time with her. She's like my best friend. And I'm still friends with my ex. I I mean, we just weren't compatible. It didn't make her a bad person. But Mm -hmm. she was the wrong person for me. And I'm just kind of sorry. The only thing I feel good about is I had two wonderful kids with her. And I I guess without her being my wife, I wouldn't have had them. And I wouldn't want to undo that. But but personally, I I, I wish I'd met my wife sooner because she's such a decent human being. I'll, I'll tell you one quick thing. When she was younger, she was married to someone else. And they adopted two children. Their mother died in a fire. And they were getting split up. And she saw that on television. And she took them. I mean, that's a, mm. that's a very special person. 
to take two children that aren't your own to protect them from being split apart. I mean, that tells you something about her, her character. And that's, that's who I'm married to. I feel very fortunate. Wow. Um, okay. I think you answered my next question, which was, is there a time that you wish you had not done something? So I think you asked. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because usually people get those mixed up but that's okay we'll keep going um (laughs) what is what is your definition of success um there's a few things i feel i'm successful um unfortunately i invested my money with a company that lost all of it so that kind of upsets me but Mm -hmm. i still know i'm capable of doing it again so i'm still focusing can't focus on what went wrong you learn from it you have to keep moving forward and um it, it concerns me, you know, that that happened, but it happened. And, you know, fretting over it won't make it go away. What you do is you look at what you have, you look at the resources you've got, and you ask yourself, what's the best? Here's a question I think is the single best question anyone could ever ask. What's the next best thing I can do now? It's what I mm. taught the uh, special forces. I said, when hmm. things go wrong, and they do, even the smartest person, the most gifted person, things don't go the way you expect it. Instead of whining and complaining, why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. So what? It's happening. Are you going to wallow in your emotions or are you going to look at what can you do about it? What's the next best thing you could do now? So that's kind of how I approach life. You, you, things will go wrong no matter what you do sometimes out of nothing that you did. And if you're going to continue to be successful, you have to constantly ask yourself, what's the next best thing I can do now? Okay. How do you recharge? I actually go to the gym about six days a week. When I was younger, I taught swimming for 18 years. I still swim a mile in about 50 minutes. I I go lift weights about four days a week. I I walk on the uh, treadmill after each workout, days that I don't lift weights because you have to rest your muscles, I either swim or do treadmill and I walk my dog twice a day. I meditate every day, every day. I always meditate. Um, I spend time with my wife. I find that very, uh, very relaxing. She's a very nice person. I, I just feel very good around her. I have a dog and I take him for walks and I play with him and I enjoy reading. And, um, I I actually don't feel my work is work. It's work, but I like what I do. I, I enjoy helping people. It makes me feel good when someone walks away and says, I just doubled my reading speed. It mm-hmm. makes me feel I did something. I accomplished something. And yeah, it's work, but it's different when what you do makes you feel good. And when you when you go to work, you can't wait to go home. That's terrible. But when you can't <laughs> wait to go back to work because you enjoy it so much, it's never really a job. It's 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 your bliss. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What are you awesome at? What am I awesome at? Yes, I'm very creative. I'll tell you something I've never told uh, the public. I wrote a a play when I was 22. Uh, I was wondering if someone was to write a mystery play today, like the Aeneid or the Odyssey, it wouldn't be words. The the way we communicate today is through music. So I wrote a 16-hour musical. I took songs from the Beatles, the Moody Blues, all these groups, and it was the second coming of Christ. Now, that's kind of interesting. One, I'm Jewish. 
two, I'm a biologist, I'm not a musician, but it took me three years and I put this together and it creates the experience if he came back today, what would happen. Hmm. And it took me three years to do it, just, just as a project, something to do. I think that's what makes me a little different. I'm very uh, interested in creativity. In fact, I made a program on how to write a book in a day. I wrote one in five hours. And it went number wow. one on Amazon the next day. That was one of the things I did. Uh, so I think that's what I'm good at. I, I, I'm very good at seeing patterns. I'm the fastest reader in the world. But I don't see that as my main skill. My, that's a, it's part of my skill set. But I think my main skill is I'm able to innovate and see things people are missing. Because I've read 30,000 books. And it gives you insights that you wouldn't have without that information, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? I want to leave a world better than I found it. And mm. I hope to make myself better than I was when I started. I, I don't believe I'm a perfect person, but I try every day to be better than I was the day before. And of course, I have days that that doesn't work out the way I planned. <laughs> but I think that's part of being human. And you, you, you cut yourself some slack and you go back to trying. I think that's all we can do is to try to be the best we can and make the most difference. And that's why I'm doing these, these podcasts to get people aware that, yeah, there is a way to fix the problems they have in learning. And I found them. A lot of people mm -hmm. say, why can't we learn? You can get remember berglearning.com. That's what I do. And, and, and that's what, I, and that's, that's what matters to me right now. I'm getting older and, uh, I want to make sure that what I've done reaches the right people and, and helps them to have the right outcome. Okay, Howard, give the listeners one motivational takeaway. One. One motivational takeaway. One motivational takeaway. I believe everybody has an ability, whether they find it or not, that makes them unique and special. Everyone. Maybe you have good people skills. Maybe you're a good cook. I don't know what that skill is. But whatever it is, you need to spend your life finding it and cultivating it because that's your contribution. That's what makes you a part of this human race and makes us a better, better human race because of you. Too many people spend their days complaining about what they don't have, what they wish they had, what they could have had, instead of looking at what they can do about it. And I believe. By learning to read faster and understand better, you could read books by people who have accomplished the things you dream of doing. I don't think one book is the answer. Maybe they got lucky and it didn't really work for anyone else or it worked for them. But 10 books by 10 people who are doing what you dreamt of doing, that's a business plan. But most people don't have the ability to read fast enough to do that. And that's what I'm trying to do is give them that ability so they can fulfill their dreams and become the person they're meant to be. And all of us will benefit. All of us benefit because someone learned medicine. All of us benefit because somebody is a better computer programmer. Everyone matters. Everything everyone does. I, I was in Thailand. I was telling them, you know, the reason we're in this room is someone's out there sewing our clothes, growing our food, parking our cars. We couldn't be doing what we did if other people weren't doing the things they were doing. There is no small jobs. There is no small person. Everything matters. And my hope is I can help people find the highest level of success they're capable of 
by giving them the power to learn what they need to know to accomplish it. Okay, so one more time, tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can connect with you. You go to berglearning.com, berglearning.com. You'll see my programs. Print in the coupon, Trina Talk 10. That's the coupon, Trina Talk 10. You'll get 10% off on the program. And when you get the program, if you need help, you send an email. And if I see that it's something I can help you with, I will help you. I'll make sure you learn it and get the, the success that you paid for. And if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back. I, I, I want to earn what I do, and I'll work really hard to, to be able to do it. I want to I make people have the abilities to learn the things they need to know so we can solve some of these problems that seem so unsolvable. Someone out there has the solutions, but maybe they need a, a couple of extra books to do it. This will make that difference. It'll help their kids get better grades and graduate and get jobs so they don't live with you till they're 40, and it'll help you make more money at work without the stress. And that's really what I'm, I'm – that's why I'm here, because I know I can do it, and I've done it, and I want to continue to do it as long as I can. Okay, Howard. Well, you know what? Thank you for coming on the show I learned a lot. It's been fun. And all you listeners out there, if you want the help, go to berglearning.com. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you. If you like Trina Talk, please don't forget to go out to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving. Because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.